Well, let's look at Luke 24, verse 1, to begin with this morning. Thank God for Jesus. Let's read from the book of Luke here. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. This is an account of when the disciples first found out that Jesus had risen. You know, these women went to the tomb, saw an angel, saw the tomb rolled away, and the angel said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You're looking at the tomb, but he's not here. He's risen. Jesus is alive, they said. And of course, the women ran back, and the disciples, most of them, they didn't believe it at first because their minds were challenged. How could he be alive? And it says they didn't believe him. They didn't believe the word. But Peter rose, and he ran down and just marveled at the things that had happened. Now, way back, I want to read you way back in Luke. Let's look at this. Luke one thirty-five. Way back when Jesus was first going to be coming to the earth, before he was born. Verse 35 says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. I imagine this, an angel is talking to a young girl, saying, you're going to have a child, and the one that you carry is going to be called the Son of God. Verse 36, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for who, who was called barren. So Elizabeth was barren. An angel is also telling her, your relative Elizabeth, he's gonna, she's going to have a child as well. Verse 37, For with God nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So th the, this angel comes to a young girl and tells her, you're going to become pregnant, supernaturally, and the one you carry is going to be the Son of God. Oh, and your relative, she's already six months pregnant, she was barren. But there's nothing impossible with God. For with, noth for with God, nothing will be impossible. Matthew 19, verse 23 I want to read you uh, just a few scriptures as we get going here. Matthew 19, verse 23, another instance where the same thing was said. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Verse 26, But Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus said, you're thinking, some, you're thinking naturally. You're thinking just in what you can see. And Jesus said, With man it is impossible. This situation is impossible. But with God all things are possible. Numbers 11, verse 21 Let's look at 11 verse, uh, Numbers 11, verse 21. 
But Moses responded to the Lord. So this is a, a place where the Israelites, all these people, you're going to see 600,000 soldiers, let alone the women and children, they're asking to be fed meat. And Moses responded to the Lord, There are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me, and yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month? Even if we butchered all our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? Verse 23, Then the Lord said to Moses, Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, the prophet says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth. This is talking about Israel. They're in, they're in captivity, coming back to their land. And, and Jeremiah the prophet said, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Genesis 18, verse 13 says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? So this is a situation where uh, God has told Abraham and Sarah. He's telling Abraham, but Sarah overheard. You're going to have a son. You're going to have a child. And here, Sarah responds and laughs because she was barren all her life. She's old and she laughs and says, there's no way. And so verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I shall bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. The Lord himself responded, Why did Sarah laugh? When I said she was going to have a baby, he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, that's the question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We read over and over here. For with God, nothing will be impossible. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Has my arm lost its power? You will see whether my word comes true. Jeremiah said, nothing is too hard for you. Here it says, is anything too hard for the, the Lord? Well, is it? We're celebrating today what is called Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that He was born of a virgin. We read that. That He lived a sinless life. That He gave Himself a ransom of all mankind, enduring a horrible death and being separated from God the Father. He was completely undeserving of this death. He did this for all Humanity for each individual. He conquered death and the grave. His blood was the sacrifice that paid for all of us to have the opportunity to become part of God's family. It is impossible that all this is true. But it is true. Our minds cannot grasp it. It defies any logic. It must be believed. It must be received by faith. Let's look at Romans 1.16. We'll put it up on the screen. You don't have to turn to this one. It says, For I am not ashamed, this is the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For everyone who believes. What we celebrate today, as we said, your mind cannot grasp it. Everything about the Christian faith hinges on the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, came to earth, lived a sinless, perfect life. That he died on that cross, was buried, defeated hell in the grave, and rose from the dead, victorious, alive from the grave. Everything the Christian faith 
relies on these facts. And they are all impossible. It doesn't make any sense to our mind that Jesus could come born of a virgin. It doesn't make any sense that he could be perfect. Our mind says nobody's perfect. How does it make any sense that he could give his life for the whole world for them to become right with God? It doesn't make any sense to our mind. It's impossible. How, how could he be raised from the dead? That's impossible. But God is the God of the impossible. And everything that our faith hinges on begins with the impossible. And as we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, we need to be affirmed. We need to affirm the fact and, and press into the fact that our faith begun with something that's impossible. And what we celebrate today is that He is on the throne, and He is risen, and He is alive, and anything that would be in our face right now, any circumstance, is subservient to what we have already believed. He is risen. He has done the impossible. He is God. There is nothing impossible to our Lord. With men things are impossible, but with God they are not. It doesn't make any sense to our mind, but here in Romans it says, Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel, the fact what we just said that Jesus came, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless, spotless life, came as man and the Son of God, was crucified on a cross, was buried and rose again. That is the gospel, that he rose again and that by believing on him, we can come into the family of God. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says here, I'm not ashamed of it. This is the power of God until salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 in the New Living Translation says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. It is the power of God, the gospel. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Verse 20, so where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world to look foolish. Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. See, he said there, since God, verse 21, in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. In other words, you can't approach God through human reasoning. You can't approach God. Like we said, everything about the gospel defies our understanding. Well, we don't know everything. We're limited. The very foundation of the gospel defies human wisdom. It says, since God in His wisdom saw to the world that the, word, the world would never know Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Verse 22, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when, the, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. Verse 24, but to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, for everyone, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. God in His wisdom 
and His plan of salvation sent Jesus to die for all mankind, what defies logic, what is said here to be foolishness, but that is actually the power of God and is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God. The Bible says He's been made wisdom to us. We read that the gospel is the power of God. Jesus' resurrection is the biggest miracle in the Bible. There is nothing that compares. You know, we, we referenced the, the feeding of the multitude with quail. That's what ended up happening. You know, the Israelites had uh, asked for meat, and then we read where Moses said, you know, if we killed everything we have, it's not going to feed them very long. And, and God said, I can do it. Watch. And then we saw how Sarah, and we referenced Sarah, she became pregnant when she was way past the age of bearing children, and she already couldn't have a child even when she was in her prime. These are miracles in the Bible, but those don't compare to the resurrection of Jesus. This is the biggest miracle in the Bible. And like we said, you can't be a Christian without believing in this miracle, which is supernatural. This is the power of God. The very foundation of coming into the family of God is believing in the supernatural. So anything else that we would receive, Anything else that we would need is nothing compared to what Christ has already done. He's already defeated hell and the grave. He rose from the dead. And by believing on Him, we can be transferred from death into life into the family of God. That is the greatest miracle you and I will ever experience. Our lives are on solid ground when we know Him, when we believe Him. Anything else we come into contact with pales into comparison for what He's already done for humanity. And we can come to Him believing and be confident that whatever we face, He is able, well able, to overcome. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. We'll put these up. I'm just going to run through a few scriptures, but we'll put these up and you don't have to take the time to turn there. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. It said, the Bible says there's one. There's one mediator. John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the plan of God. See, men try to make up their own way. Men try to make up their own way of being accepted by God that makes sense to them. Well, if I do this and this and this and this, then I, I should be accepted by God. That's what religion is. It's men trying to come up with a way to get to God. People have many philosophies. People have many ideas. But the Word of God says that Jesus is the only way, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. The Bible says there's one mediator. Our mind may say, well, well that doesn't make sense. If, why, why should I have to believe Him? I mean, I, I'm good. I, I did this and this and this. And God's plan of salvation says you believe on His Son. Now, we had to because that was the only ransom that could pay for our deliverance and translation into the kingdom of God. 1 John 5.11 says, This is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. That life is in Jesus. It's not in what we do. It's not in our works. It's not in our efforts. It's not in how good we are. It's not in all our wisdom. The life is in the Son, is in Jesus. 
Verse 12 says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Whoever has the Son has life. Life is in Jesus. And everything we need in this life, salvation is in Him. Salvation is a big word in the Bible. It includes wholeness in every area. Yes, it includes being right with God. Yes, it includes spending eternity in His presence. But it has bearing right now in the here and now. As we believe on Jesus, yes, we, we, are, we become part of God's family. But we don't have to wait till this life is over to experience benefits. We can come into the presence of God and know what Jesus provided is not just salvation for us to be right with Him. It is wholeness in every area of life. And He is well able to do what men would consider impossible. As we're celebrating Easter today, celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, my heart is that we will come into the, the, the rest of this day with the sense that what Jesus has done is so much greater than anything we will ever face in this life. What we're facing right now as a nation and as in the world, and there are different pressures in different areas. It could be a physical pressure, could be a financial pressure, could be a family pressure. There, there are pressures being brought to bear, but Christ has already defeated the hell and the, and, and the grave. He has already done the impossible. He is the God of the supernatural. And as we've come into His family, we have already believed for the greatest miracle that we will ever experience. So anything that is in front of us right now, He is well able to bring us over And we need to be firm and need to take comfort and security and strength from the fact that the God who does the impossible, our Lord Jesus Christ, is on the throne and well able to take care of anything that we give to Him. Starts with our life. If we, start, if we sit on the periphery and say, ah, I just don't see it, that's nonsense. Well, that's exactly what the Bible said. People say, well, that's nonsense. I don't get it. it doesn't, I don't get a lot of things. I don't, get, I, I don't know everything about the way my automobile works. I mean, I know generally. You know, I took a, a little bit of you know, uh, classes in, in science. We went over the, the, the engine, the gasoline engine and stuff. But, you know, with the way w cars work now, and all the computers and everything. I mean, I, I would not pretend to say I know everything about the way that works and start getting under the hood and fixing it. It's hard for people that know what they're doing. My understanding, with if, unless you have the right tools. But I drove here this morning, and I'm going to drive home, and I use that car every day, and I don't understand everything about it, but I don't need to. I just need to get in the car and use it and believe that it's going to work and use it. I don't need to understand everything about the gospel. I need to understand that God's word is true and he's faithful. And step in to what he has said is true. If Jesus, if the word says Jesus is the only way, if, Je if the word says he who has life or who has the son has life, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Then I take God at his word and say, well, Lord, I don't get everything, but I believe what you said and step in. The great thing is, if we understand what we're talking about here, if we've believed Him, then we can know we have life. Everything else is secondary. We have the answer to anything we could possibly face, and we can rejoice. This is a day that we rejoice that Jesus has conquered the impossible, and that we can walk in Him, and we can come refreshed into our, you know, the week the days ahead, and no, we've already got it made. We know Him. Anything else is secondary. John 3.16, very familiar verse of Scripture, but let's look at what it says. John 3.16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
This is the whole reason God gave His Son that whoever believes in Him, didn't say whoever does, dumps through a bunch of hoops. It says, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. This is very important because religion... Religion is, God, is man's attempt to relate to God. And religion, men's ideas have distorted the gospel so many times. Verse 17 says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. That's not why Jesus came. To beat us up. To give us a standard that we have to meet and that to make to condemn us all the time. He came into the world that through Him we might be saved. And so, when we know that, we can come boldly to God and know the whole reason that Jesus came was that so that we could be right with God and have life. God is not the author. He's not condemning people. See, people have gotten the idea that God is somehow just you know, beating people up and very strict and overbearing. Well, He sent Jesus to a world that did nothing for Him the Son of God experienced a horrible death, was separated from God the Father. He did that all so that we could be right with Him. He didn't do it so then He could turn around and put an even bigger burden on people that somehow they have to perform. They, we can't perform enough. We couldn't perform enough to get into the family of God. That's why Jesus had to send His Son so that we could come into the family. Well, how much more as we walk with Him? We don't have to perform to receive everything that Jesus has bought and paid for. We can believe Him. The way we got in the family, believing is the way we receive everything from God. By faith, believing Him. Just trusting Him that He's going to be able to do everything He said He was going to be able to do. If He said it, we can believe it, we can act on it, and we can experience it. This is what was going on with Abraham and Sarah. We're going to read a little bit more in Romans. Romans 4, verse 20, in the New Living Translation, shows us a little bit more of what was going on in that instance. So Abraham, or his name was Abram initially, Abram called the father of faith. Abram was childless, didn't have an heir. Sarah, his wife, had never had any children. She was barren. And God came to them and said, you're going to have a child, which is impossible. In the naturally speaking, she couldn't have a child when she was in the prime of life. Now she's well past having any children, and God says, you're going to have a child. Well, if you're going to take that by just logic, you're done. That's just not going to happen. If, you're looking, if, if Abraham and Sarah were looking, he was Abram, and then God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations, renamed him saying, you're the father of many nations. So, so Abram changed his name and started going around saying, I'm the father of many nations, and he doesn't have a child. He had to do that by faith. He believed something. But if you're going to look at it logically and just try to figure it out, there's nothing to believe. There's no argument. There's no reasoning on how she is going, Sarah's going to get pregnant when she couldn't have, she couldn't have a baby when she's 20. And now she's well up in age, way past the time that she's to have children, and now she's supposed to have a child. It's impossible. But Abraham had to do something. He had to believe. It's not that he had to work something out. He didn't, there's nothing to figure out, nothing to work out, no reasoning. There's nothing he can do in the natural. There's no way to cross that bridge. The only way is that he believes what God has said because God has the power to do it. Abraham does not. And the Bible here draws a parallel with what Abraham did and how we approach what Jesus did. Verse 20 says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. What's that promise? That he would, be, he would have multitude of children and God would bless the world through his seed, his offspring. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger 
and this he brought, in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promises. Whatever God said, whether we understand it or not, is right. And Abraham was convinced of this. He looked at his situation, and it says this earlier, just in the previous verses, which we're not going to look at, but he looked at the situation and looked at his wife, She's barren, but he didn't consider it. He didn't put any stock, and he said, yep, that's true. But then he looked at the promise of God and gave attention to what God has said. It says, verse 21, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises, and because of Abraham's faith, didn't say because of Abraham's intellectual ability, because of Abraham's good works, because of Abraham's, uh, you know, stunning skills with other people. It said, because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. What does that mean? As right with God. That counted him in right standing. It means he's justified. Verse 23, and when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in Him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and He was raised to life, look at this, to make us right with God. I'm going to read 24, end of 23 and 24 again, or end of 23, 24, and 25. It was recorded, this account of, of Abraham, for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in Him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. See, it says, we'll be counted as righteous. Why? Because we have everything figured out. Because we're so great. You know, so knowledgeable because we've uh, been, lived such a perfect life. No, it does not say any of that. It says he will count us as righteous because we believe something. What do we believe? Not just believe anything, not something we made up, not something we think the way it should be. It said that we believe in him, God, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. So he didn't do it for himself. He was handed over to die for our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. And the Bible is saying here, if we believe that, that's how we're able to be right with God. In Romans 10, 8 through 10, it says this same thing. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So look what it says in verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And now look at the next part. And believe in your heart. See, it doesn't say understand with your head. It doesn't say figure it out how it works. It says believe in your heart. What do you believe? That God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. This is... This is the, what God has laid out as the plan of salvation, that Jesus died, like we've read. We believe that He died. Why? For us, that He, was he, he, he died and, and He was raised to life to make us right with God. And the Bible says, if we do that, it says you will be saved. There's not an if there. It's not a this is not a long list of what we're saying. This is not a long list of requirements. This is us believing what He has done. 
It says, you will be saved. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. It's with the heart. See, it's not with the head. Your, your head can be saying, what? How? I don't get what? And what we have to do is trust Him. We trust God that what He said was true, that He's right, and we come to Him and say, Lord, I believe what You said. I believe that Jesus came and He died and rose from the dead so that I could be right with You. And You said, if I believe it, that I would be saved. See, that's how we come to God. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. See, heart one believes unto. Righteousness is it's just a term that means you're right with God. It means you're justified. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is our role? It's to believe. What's our role as a Christian to receive? If we've already crossed that line and we've received what Jesus has done, what's our role then to receive what He has already provided for our life? Because it's not just salvation in the sense that we're going to heaven or even that we're in the family of God. He has provided everything we need for our well-being in this life. Well, how do we receive that? Do we go into a mode of, I got to figure everything out and I got I to gotta figure this out with my finances. I got to figure this out with my health. There's nothing wrong. Of course, God gave us a mind. But we don't trust in those things. We don't put stock purely in those things. I got to figure this out with my family. I got to figure this out, you know, uh, with these other relationships. Well, we need to go to what God said and we need to believe what He said. And when, when we believe what He said as it applies to any situation, that's how we're going to get over. That's how we're going to get to the next step. That's how we're going to see His salvation in every area of life. And we've already established He is the God of impossible. So anything, whatever its name is, when we come to Him, we don't have to figure out how it, we're going to get past. We don't have to figure out how things are going to change. What we have to do is say, God, what have you said and what covers our situation, and go and say, Lord, I believe it. That's the avenue. That's the mechanism. Believing God is the way we receive everything He's provided through Jesus. It's the same how we got into the family of God, which we just read, and it's the same way that we are going to continue to walk with Him. Lord, I believe You. Lord, I don't see how. I don't see a way. I don't see... Uh, there, my understanding has ended, but Lord, I believe you and I put full reliance. If we can trust God for our eternal security, which is far bigger than anything we're ever going to face on this earth, then we can trust him for the temporary things that we are going to face. We don't look at it so many times like that. We're like, yeah, God, I believed you. I believed in Jesus. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe you. Thank you for that. And, you know, sometimes on Easter, yeah, thank, uh, thank God. I'm so thankful for Jesus. But there's this thing in my life. There's this problem. And that's what's big. And we need to switch, just adjust sometimes, and realize, wait a minute, I'm trusting God that when I leave this earth, I'm, I'm going to be in heaven. I'm trusting Him that... I, that not based on my, my ability, but what he did, I'm right with him. If I can trust him for that and believe his word for that, then I can believe his word for anything else and actually anything else, not to make light of situations, but we need to switch gears sometimes and look at how big he is and what he has already done and what we've already received and what Jesus has already accomplished and say, this thing is going to be taken care of. We're, it, I'm in the family of God and I couldn't, that was a chasm. There's no way I could cross. Lord, I just thank you. I choose to believe you with these other things. You're going to take care of it. You are the God of the impossible. You have always already been, always been. I have already believed you for impossible. I already believe that a girl got pregnant without any human interaction. I already believe that a, a man came uh, the, the God of all creation came as the form of a man and walked through life sinless. I already believe that he, he was crucified and, and, and died and was buried, but rose from the dead and is alive 
on the throne of God in a place called heaven, a real place. I believe that so I can believe you for anything else that would come my way. He is our Savior. We come up to a place where there seems like there's no way out. We know we have a Savior. He came and He conquered death in the grave, and we can believe Him. He has a way out. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, or Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't look at what the situation is. Don't look at the impossibility. Don't look at the fact that, Lord, I don't understand everything in your word. I don't understand how this worked with salvation and this worked. We don't look at our own understanding. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. John 6, 37 said, we'll read this, he, he will not, anyone that comes to Him, He is not ever going to turn us away. Verse 6, John 6, 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up in the last day. See, He said, it's my will, the, Father, the Father's will is what I've come to do. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone that believes on me, on Jesus will have everlasting life. In the NLT version, John 6, 37, says, However, those who the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. In the CEV, it says, Everything and everyone that the Father has given me will come to me, and I won't turn any of them away. Jesus is saying here, I won't turn anyone away. Anybody that, somebody said, well, I, I'm not worthy. Well, it's, not us about, it's not about us being worthy. It's not out, uh, about us being worthy to come to Him in the first place. It's not about our worthiness to come to Him when we need something. It's about what He has done and receiving that. And He said, I won't turn you away. If somebody comes to him and says, Lord, I, I believe, I believe, I want to believe, but man, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I'm so unworthy. Jesus didn't say. See, we know we're unworthy. That's the whole reason Jesus came. You know, that's like somebody going home. You know, let's say you were out in the mud. You know, I was, when I was growing up, Uh, we had this empty lot next to us, several empty lots. And um, they stayed there, you know, they, they were lots for houses to be built on. But they stayed there for, I want to say years, you know, when I was little, I was growing up, so I don't remember exactly, you know, all the, the time. But it was there for years. And, and they just had the empty lots where they had dug the foundation and they had put all the, the dirt on the sides of the foundation. And so you had all these mounds of dirt going around this, this big rectangle of the foundation. And so what we would do is we would go over there and we would use our dirt bikes, you know, little BMX bikes, and we made trails on those. So, you know, it was great. We had, we'd go way up and around and all like this around and just, just go around this, these high hills on this foundation, around the foundation. And there was this time where it rained a lot. It rained, it must have rained a ton. Well, in the foundation, all it is is a big hole, and it's been sitting there. So after it rained a ton, there is, I don't know how much mud at the bottom of that foundation. I mean, it's just a big hole, and there's all this wet mud. I mean, deep. And I'm going around on my bike, and I slip. And I went right down into that mud. I was covered from head to toe with mud. 
My bike was in the mud. I got out. I go back, and I was probably crying and whatever. And I come back, and we have a picture of me before they hosed me off of me just completely covered in mud from head to toe. And I'm like, come on, I need to be cleaned off. But they thought it was so funny they got a, a, a camera and took a picture, and it's a great picture. But then I got cleaned off. But I say all that to say this. If we say, well, you know, if, they, if I were to say, well, I can't have you hose me off, I'm dirty. I don't need to be, I can't, I'd love to be hosed off, but I'm dirty, so I can't be hosed off. You're, you're, you know, you're looking at the TV going, well, duh, of course. You know that's what people do with coming to God? They're like, I'm dirty, so I don't need to be hosed. Well, Jesus is what cleans us. If we go, you know, if I were to say, well, no, I, well, I'm just too dirty to be cleaned off. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That is crazy. Of course you need to be cleaned off. Well, how are you going to get cleaned off? Well, I'm just going to try to do it myself. No, you come to the, we got hosed off, and then, of course, I went and took a, a bath and a shower. But that's what people do with God. They say, I'm, I've messed up too much. I can't come to God. Well, that's what Jesus did. He came and paid the price. He's the one that we rely on for our, our righteousness, not what we can figure out. See, it would, if, if, if you could just tell people what they can do, tell me some rules and regulations. Sometimes we understand that better, and that's what we want to grasp. We want to do that. It's easier on our mind, because I can understand that. That's what religion is. It'll tell you you've got to do this, this, and this, and that's how you get to God. But the Word, what we've read, says you believe. You only come to God through believing. That's how you access God. That's how you access Him initially. That's how you access Him later. See, when we're facing pressure, we want to say, what lever can I pull? I want to, I want to do something. And, and God says, you come to me, you believe me. Now, He'll show you what to do, but you don't do it on your own. It's believing. And sometimes we say, I can't come to God. I just, I, 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 it's, it just seems too easy to believe that God would be the way. That through Jesus, He paid for it. We say, no, I'm too dirty. I've messed up too much. I can't come to God. No, that's why Jesus came, is so that we could be clean through believing, not through anything that we could do. The Bible said, whoever calls on the name will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, I just want us to, to affirm two things. Two things, we're going to pray. And two things, if you've never trusted God, maybe religion has been dis di uh, distant to you. I want to I say a prayer for Christians and non-Christians. I want you to join with me. But if you've never become a Christian, maybe it's been just in the periphery. Maybe it's always been out there like, I don't know. I mean, I don't like church. I don't like... You know, it seems like you just you don't have any fun. You got to do all these things. Or maybe there's just some misconception. Somehow it's always been distant. If maybe you feel like God is out there too far. And maybe you feel like, no, I'm too dirty. I've done all this stuff. I, I, don't, I don't understand. But the gospel says if we'll believe on Jesus, that's the way. What we celebrate today as Christians is that Christ came when we didn't deserve anything, when we couldn't do anything for Him, and He came and, and died and rose from the dead so that we could be right, from God, right with God. That's what, we, that's what the Bible teaches, what we read. These, these, we're reading the Bible. And so number one, if you've never said, Lord, I believe, well, just what it said here, that if we believe that, Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead, it says if you believe that in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So we're going to pray for that. But also, if you're a Christian, you've trusted God with your salvation. But you have, you know, you let something get in the way of your just clear understanding that the way I came into this thing was believe in God. And right now, I just need to go and believe God. That He is well able. That He is the God of the impossible. That what I believe to get into this family is so much bigger than anything I would be facing. Maybe I've come, I've come away from God. Maybe you've, 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 you've fallen back and, and you're not where you should be. We can affirm today, Lord, I boldly say that the Lord... Jesus rose from the dead. I believe it. I trust Him. 
And Lord, whatever I need to do going forward, I trust you with it. I just roll it all over on you and I say, Lord, it is uh, in your hands. I trust you. You're well able. And celebrate and enjoy and look to him. So let's go ahead and pray together. I want you to repeat after me. We're going to pray. If you've never prayed, never believed God, never believed Jesus for your salvation, I'm going to lead you in prayer, but I'm also going to lead just everybody. Everybody, you could say it together and say it whether you believe Him, if you're already a Christian or not. Just follow after me. Father God, I come to you. I say I believe you. I believe what your word says concerning Jesus. Lord, you said, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that God has raised Jesus from the dead, I will be saved. Lord, I say boldly, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead so that I could be right with you. You raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, you said that if I believe it and I say it, I'm saved. You said that you wouldn't turn anyone away you wouldn't reject anyone. You wouldn't cast anyone out who comes to you. So, Lord, I believe you, and I say now, according to your word, I'm saved. And, Lord God, I believe that everything that I need on this earth Jesus has provided. Lord, I renew my faith in you and your ability to take care of everything that I need. You are the God of the impossible. I believe you. I trust you. And I glorify your name. I Make you big in my eyes. Lord, I ask you, give me wisdom and direction and guidance with anything that's before me that I need to take care of. But I roll all care onto you. I trust you. You're a big God. You can do than possible. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God.